Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with my guest, Kate Abernathy, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Providers Choice. And she is going to talk with us today about something that I think anyone who spends time with young children has experienced. And just that little individual child trying to decide what they like and don't like related to food. And so, Kate, welcome. We're so happy you're here. Thanks, Priscilla. Thanks so much for having me on today. Um, I am Kate Abernathy with Provider's Choice. We are a food program sponsor in the state of Minnesota. We do the child and adult care food program to all 87 counties throughout the state. Provider's Choice has been around since 1985, and we sponsor about 3,000 child care homes and around 80 child care centers throughout the state of Minnesota. That's so impressive and what a great tool and resource. And I know that you're a wealth of information on a lot of different topics and we're going to look forward to having you back for some of those other conversations. But for today's conversation, we're going to focus on the term picky eater and what does that mean? How does that come to be? How can we combat that belief and idea in a child's mind that they like or don't like things? Um, All those things, we're going to just talk through those uh, you know, just during our time together. So I'm really excited to start out. And so maybe we should start out with just that foundational information about nutrition and why it's so important for us as caregivers of young children to really set the stage for their full lifelong eating habits. And that's kind of pressure. It is. It is. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure that especially we as parents and as caregivers, child care providers, we put on ourselves. Um, we all know, you know, deep down in our core that nutrition is so important. That's where we build those lifelong eating habits. But I think sometimes we put that pressure on us and then it leads to us forcing those green beans and, you know, pushing that broccoli sometimes when we're not always um, maybe thinking about the bigger picture. And so that's one thing I would really encourage childcare providers to start with that, you know, step back and look at it as more a, of you're building a foundation. You're putting those building blocks down just like we do with so many other things within childcare, but to really build lifelong positive eating habits and skills. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about that proper nutrition, like I said, but we're starting to demonstrate positive, healthy relationships with food and really realizing that it's okay to discover that food. Kids are really not aware of always what they're eating. And so to smell it, it, lick it, um, to be very sensory in those early years can be so important. And building that um, early relationship with food, I think, is is so important and kind of exciting um, as a child care provider to be so influential and, and to guide those children throughout their into their life. Yeah. Um, I always tell providers early exposure and just often are really keys to success. Um, and that really sets up that foundation, like I said, um, for now in childhood, but also in, as adults. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and I think it's so interesting, too, and we're going to talk about this throughout our conversation today, just how our own beliefs about food can be also setting the stage and influential to how we're encouraging children to try new things. So if maybe a certain food is not our favorite, we might not be offering that as many times because of, 
And I think about that as, as, you know, growing up in the era that I was raised in too, the availability of certain foods, or, I mean, now it, it seems that children have so many options for things that they can taste and lick and experiment with. Oh my gosh, absolutely. There's so many more foods that we're exposed to for our own selves as adults. Um, For children, I think it's even more overwhelming at times. You know, we used to growing up, maybe only see um, different foods um, at various seasons. We didn't see kiwis year round. And now there's kiwis available pretty much all the time, which is exciting. Um, But it just leads to so many food options. And I think those key experiences are really what set the stage for, um, how we as providers can be influential too. So think about this, Priscilla, um, think about your own food memories. So think about a time, um, tell me about a time that um, when you think about as a child, that was a super positive food memory. Oh, well, I'll say the smell of popcorn popping. And that, that was a special, like that, that was a special thing for, oh, we're going to watch a special movie together, or we're going to have a game or something that we were going to do. It wasn't an everyday occurrence. And my mom would do it in the big cast iron pot on the stove and shake it up and, 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 you know, the butter and the salt and all of those things, just that is such a, it's, it's like all the senses, crunchiness, and then the togetherness too. And it just brings you right back to that moment in time, right? Yes, yes. For me, it was, you know, helping out around the holidays and yes. those smells and those, um, just those aromas, the sounds of all of the chaos and, you know, the gathering of people. But they're so positive because you, you even as an adult, you can, you can smell you, you, um, on, at holidays, it brings you right back to yes. when you were, you know, your six-year-old self, just you know, trying to go and, you know, sneak a slice of piece of pie or something like that at a, at a family gathering, but they hold such amazing memories for yes. us. Now, alternatively, think about maybe one of your worst food moments. When is something that brings you back to your childhood that you recall that maybe wasn't your favorite food memory or, a a time that you didn't love something about your childhood and food? Hmm. Well, I have to say, I never liked peas because of the squishy texture and the, and of course, you know, you think about canned peas. They, you know, and and then as an, as later in life experiencing either fresh peas or frozen peas or those, those, those beliefs changed. But as a young child, that squishy, mushy pea, blah. I did. I, I thought I don't like peace. And that was just, that was a fact in my head. I don't like peace. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of providers, caregivers, parents come from. For me, it was um, overcooked vegetables. My my mom would sometimes just overcook them and they'd be so soggy and smushy and goo- gooey. Um, and it was broccoli and overcooked green beans. And it's and then I re- recall making my, my, my mom making me sit there um, until I had finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really putting at an early age these expectations and thoughts that vegetables, well, they weren't great, but I had to eat them. Yeah. Um, and there was no fun around those, right? Because it was this is the food that I have to eat or else. Um, and so at an early age, it was set in stone that there are food memories that are positive and there are food memories that aren't positive. And now as an adult, when you think about vegetables, I think that's why a lot of adults sometimes are a little averse to vegetables as they're an adult because of their occurrence and the interaction they had with vegetables at a young, young age. Yes. Yes. And the, and 
you know, thinking about a salad and putting together a salad and, and thinking in your head, oh, it has to have all these ingredients and it has to be, you know, really complicated. And it doesn't. It can be as simple as just getting a bunch of arugula with some really, you know, drizzled with just barely anything on it. Just, But as you said, those memories can be really hard and fast in your brain. And then those filter into your relationship with food. Absolutely. And then here we are as parents and caregivers now trying to share our own relationship with food to others. And it can be challenging and tricky. Yes, very true. And so when we think about how we can combat that and when we think about why it's so important, you know, it is a lot of pressure. And we also are, are fighting that internal fight between our own beliefs about it and how we were raised about food, like you were talking about having to sit for the vegetables and all of those things. How can the the folks who are working with young children setting these foundations, how can they change that tone and what can they do? What are some key things that you think really help? I think it's so easy as a caregiver and as a parent to just focus on that specific meal at that point in time. And it's, it's like, well, I made these, this food, we need, you need to consume every bit of it, or you can't have seconds until you've at least tried that green bean. Um, and I think especially as a mom of two girls, um, and watching them, you know, go, go through some of that and then spending time in childcare centers and daycare provider homes, you see that it's so easy just to focus on that actual meal yeah. versus stepping back and realizing that it's about exposures to food. It's about getting them to try um, and tr- to really eat everything, particularly vegetables, um, even as parents, sometimes if we don't love certain vegetables, but really looking at it as those repeat exposures to get those good vitamins and minerals. Um, but there's really, um, I think, two things there. It's about the overall consumption um, that the kids eat food. So think about like a toddler, for example. You know, you watch a toddler as they're starting to have food um, and try solids. Often they eat one really good meal a day. They eat one okay meal a day and they eat one meal where they typically pick at it. And typically their best meal is probably breakfast because that's when they're the most rested. Mm-hmm. Um, their next meal may be lunch or, you know, an early snack. And by evening time, when parents go to feed their kids um, after a day at daycare, for example, they're like, they never eat anything. And it's because they're overtired, they're overstimulated, they've had a full day. Um, and that, I think it's important for providers and parents alike to really understand that that's just normal. That's normal development. That's just normal kids pushing their own boundaries and pushing their limits and trying to understand that, you know, they're just having a tired or an off day or maybe they have a cold and they're all stuffy and they can't, you know, fully eat and breathe. Um, And so I think it's important, especially there again, to just go back and realize that we're exposing kids to those foods. Maybe they're not eating a ton of that meal, but they're getting exposed to good nutrition throughout the day. And it all kind of averages out day over day, week over week, it all averages out. And some days are just going to be better than other days. And some meals are going to be better than other meals. Um, And it can be even more um, uncertain times when you've served that meal before and you know they love it and they just kind of push it back at you and you, you don't understand why. But that's just part of that normal growth and development that some days they love it and some days they hate it. Um, But that again, it all in the end, it's normal development. It all kind of evens out. I think secondly, like I touched on before is that oftentimes we force kids to eat vegetables or certain items on the plate. Uh, We're giving those foods 
typically a bad connotation. So it's this food, um, you have to eat it or else. Well, then that's kind of almost more of a punishment versus just putting all of those foods out. Or when we withhold foods and say, we're not going to give you your milk and your fruit until you finish those other foods. Well, the milk and the fruit are now the reward. And now we have reward foods and punishment foods. Um, And then it makes those foods better or more valuable um, than the foods that are not preferred. Oh, that's such a good point. And I think, too, we forget about that when we're in the moment. And so when I think about the typical busy childcare setting with the early childhood educator, that, that, you know, that caregiver really trying to multitask, what are some things that we can do as professionals caring for kids and also for parents, too, but I'm, I'm focusing really on just caregivers in the, the early childhood setting. What are some things that they can do to turn things around and really set that nice foundation for children in their care? Yeah, I think the first thing is to really take take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to win the um, award for doing all the right things every single day. Childcare just happens. And some days it happens beautifully. And some days it's messy, but beautiful in just a different way. And so take that pressure off yourself and just know that every day is going to look different. Um, I think the biggest one is repeat exposures are key. Add those foods to the menu in, you know, many, many different ways, many different times. It takes children often well over 10 times before they may accept a food of just that exposure. And so it becomes exhausting as a child care provider to simply put out the same food and go, well, they hate it. You know, I'm not going to. And it's so easy to write that off, right? And you're spending all that time and that money and those resources to build this beautiful menu um, and then the kids don't like it and it just feels like a failure. And it's not, it's not a failure. It just means that we need to have more ways of exposure. Um, Mm -hmm. In those exposures, think of new ways to try it. So my often example here are carrots. Think about carrots in, they can be baby carrots. They can be stick carrots. They can be carrot coins. Um, You can have lots of different ways. Now, of course, it needs to be age appropriate. We don't want children to choke on the carrot. Um, But certainly, you know, that is something that is age appropriate. It could be that they're steamed. It could be they're mashed. It could be they're raw, again, age appropriate. Um, But every time you serve a different way of that carrot, those are all different exposures. Maybe you turn it into carrot muffins. Maybe you serve the carrots plain. Maybe you serve the carrots with ranch dip. Always a big popular one is adding ranch to a lot of different things. Um, The more ways you can expose children to new foods um, or unfamiliar foods outside of mealtimes can also be really important. So maybe you do it during snack time when it's less pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you do it during, um, as an activity, you know, maybe it's orange week and we're going to focus on carrots during orange week and we're going to have different orange foods around that. So those are all exposures. It doesn't have to be actually putting that food in front of the children. Yeah. I think when you, um, do try to serve foods at mealtime. Another um, fun thing that can be done too, sometimes if we go back to the carrot example is drop the carrots right before um, the rest of the food come out when kids are still a little hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, try to offer some of those foods that maybe they're unsure about when they're maybe they're most hungry. Now you want to do it before the hangry. Um, and when we start having those meltdowns and that starving, you know, they come in from the playground and they've reached that point. 
that's not going to be the right time to do it. But I think when they're still hungry and they're kind of moving around in their chair and they're looking forward to trying some new foods, that might be a time when it maybe feels a little less threatening because that's not necessarily at the meal, but it's kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. Certainly within um, the child and all care food program, we have to serve all those foods at the same time. But this is maybe an extra or a little bonus or a little teaser, your little appetizer, if you will, before the meal starts. Well, that's a great suggestion. There's other things that childcare providers can do as well. Um, and I think sometimes um, it it gets so busy in a childcare setting, especially when you're trying to take care of spills and messes and bathroom breaks and things. But as much as providers can try to eat with the kids, mm-hmm. talk through those foods and be with them at that, you know, that same level can be really empowering. Um, letting kids to play with the food as much as possible. I mean, not a full on play time at that point, but let them touch it, smell it, lick it before they take that bite to determine if it's something they want to take that bite. Um, using positive peer pressure can also be a really um, positive experience. Um, having other kids who love those foods talk about wanting seconds, talk about, um, oh my gosh, it's green bean day. I just love Miss Anna's green beans. Those are the very, very best. Um, and starting for kids to kind of be like, oh, well, let's see what Miss Anna's green beans look like. Um, and then, you know, really have as, as you're sitting down with the kids and talking through some of those um positive peer pressures, having kids describe the food. Is it sweet? Is it salty? Is it crunchy? What does it remind you of? If they've never seen the food or they're unfamiliar with it, certainly things like carrots, they've seen it. But what about purple carrots? What about yellow carrots? Um, Different things um, to kind of pique their interest and their curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, What does it look like? What does it remind you of? Have them tell you about it. Tell, have them ask you or ask the child, where does it come from? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not just by country, but also where does it come from? Does it come from the ground? Does it grow out of the tree? Um, could we garden it? Um, what, what does that look like? What part of the plant do we eat? Um, bringing in a full stem of carrots that have the, the full effect from the ground and even a little dirt on it can be really fun for kids to really get to see um, and experience that. And remember that kids really love to learn, right? They want to learn. They want to grow. They want to tell their parents about all the amazing things that happen at childcare that day. And that's really where I think childcare providers shine. They are just these wonderful advocates for kids that get to, you know, share their knowledge. The kids take it and they get to go talk to their parents about all the amazing things that they do um, within their childcare setting, which is just really exciting. Um, And just reminding yourself that, that those kids love to learn. They love to be those experts that they can go back to tell their parents all the amazing things. Fabulous. And so when you think about, and that's just something too, that, um, you know, really being that bridge between home and care and, and sharing the details about all the foods that a child's eating. And the parent may be thinking, wow, they've never tried that at home. And this is an opportunity for them to really say, we're going to start serving more of these things and, and educating the families about what you've done. And you, I know, are a wealth of resources. I know Provider's Choice is a wealth of resources as far as activities related to mealtimes and exposure to new food. And so can you just do like a highlight overview of some of your favorite activities that really, I mean, you touched on a bunch of them already, but um, just share a little bit more about things that you might think would be useful to folks. 
Yeah, I think circle time is always a great time. You know, circle time, you're getting everyone together. Oftentimes it's the beginning of the day. It's a great time to start to introduce and start talking about new foods. Maybe there's a a new food that you want to add to your menu that your cook is really excited to try in the next few weeks. Start building up that excitement, that anticipation, that it's like an actual new and exciting thing that's coming to the childcare setting and really building it up as that food is the all-star that's coming into um, into, into, uh, childcare that week. Um, Also, there's a fun activity that I think floats around from time to time that providers use called the mystery bag. Um, Just a brown bag throw in any fruit or vegetable and always start with one that's familiar. I think the kids, it's less threatening that way. If they can figure out what it is, start with an apple, for example. Um, and have the, have the kids, um, you know, put that in a brown paper bag, pass it around, have the kids feel it, have them take a guess. What is it? Does it feel round? Does it feel bumpy? Um, really describe and make guesses as to what they think it is. Then have them put their hand on the inside and feel it and describe it. Does it feel um, smooth? Is it bumpy again? Is it round? Is it hard? Is it soft? Can you squish it? Um, and have them again make guesses. And then, you know, after they all go around there, you're building the anticipation. What is it? Um, take it out of the bag and have them visually describe it. Um, what do you, what do you see? What do you know? Do you know what it is? Have you seen it before? Does it look like something maybe you've had before? Um, where they write about their guesses before and really let that anticipation build. Um, and then, you know, as you cut into it, what's the inside going to look like? Cause yeah. there are so many fruits and vegetables that are different than what you expect. Yes. Um, so when you cut into an apple, is it red in the inside? Is it green? Is it white? What does that all look like? Mm. Um, and you can do it with lots of different flavors of apples, of course. Um, and that is probably its own curriculum right then nice. and there. And then after I always then have, um, one that's already pre-cut into teeny tiny pieces that's out um, and available and pass it around with toothpicks or something really tiny and then let the kids look at it. When something's teeny tiny, it's not intimidating. Um, And so you try it, you can touch it, you can smell it and that they can always choose to smell it. They can lick it. They don't have to eat it. Um, Again, it's an exposure. So we're trying to create those 10 time exposures um, before, before they might try it. And then of course, the best part is the voting. So everyone gets to decide, is it a thumbs up? Is it thumbs up? Is it thumbs down? Is it sideways? Maybe you have a chart with stickers and the kids get to put if they like it or they don't. And then you absolutely celebrate with that, with the kids that they tried it, whether they liked it or not, but that they tried it. You're celebrating the trying instead of whether they ate it. Um, And then for me, when they, when they're parent pickup, you also have stickers. And you're showing the parent that, look at, this is what they did today. This is how they got to experience some of those things. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. These are just great suggestions. And I know that there are more available through your program. And um, it's a great resource for folks. And I also think, you know, we've touched on it too, and we'll say it again. It's so important, as you said many times throughout this, exposure is the key, getting the families involved with knowing what their children are doing and being exposed to as far as new foods. And encouraging those children who have tried maybe some more of the more unique things to talk about it and and share that with their peers. Um, Is there anything else that you want to highlight before we wrap things up for our episode today? Yeah, I would always just remind children that it's okay if they don't like it. Celebrate that too, that it doesn't have to be that big pressure. Um, 
praise them for trying those foods and not necessarily clearing their plate. Also, um, a well-known or a provider once told me, which has really stuck with me, is that um, you can always try, maybe your taste buds aren't big enough yet. We can always try another day when your taste buds get bigger. And I think that's really powerful because kids are always trying to be bigger and better and grow up like their peers. And just to tell them, you know what, your taste buds aren't ready. That's okay. Maybe some other time they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, when you're trying these different activities, do it with really familiar foods too. That helps to build trust with kids so that they know that it's always can be a fun situation and that it doesn't always have to be trying really scary foods or or the, the latest type of a different kind of broccoli. It could be something that you know they love, but you're going to try it and do those same activities so that you build that trust. Maybe you go to the farmer's market with them and pick out a new variety of food that they want to try and that they pick it out as well. Nice. Nice. Oh, well, I thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. And I know that, you know, Provider's Choice is a wonderful resource and that you're available with answers to questions. And so really, what is the best way to to have folks reach out if they want to know more? Yeah, absolutely. Well, just keep in mind, too, that the food program, um, the Child Adult Care Food Program, as as we we refer to it, CACFP, this really supports all of this. And we all in the food program are all here to to help you. And that's one of the great benefits of being on a food program and having a sponsor is to have that support. You're not in it alone. We don't want anyone to ever feel like they are because there's always resources. And so we at Provider's Choice, we happen to have dietitians on staff to be able to help with specific challenges that providers might have. Sometimes it's not as easy as just repeat exposure. Um, and so that if you need support, please reach out. You can reach out to us via our website, providerschoice.com. Give us a call, shoot us an email. Um, if you're on another food program, reach out to them. They absolutely can help. We just were really here to help support you and to support the kids. Providers Choice is passionate about children and we're fiercely dedicated to child care providers. We work with the state and USDA to advocate to support the program for the growth and the success of kids everywhere across the state of Minnesota. That's great. Thank you, Kate, because it has been very, very interesting to talk through all of these things. And I appreciate the time you've taken. And I look forward to future podcasts on the topic of food and young children. So thank you very much for being with me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.